This might sound a little crazy, but when I can, I like to listen back to the No Dunks podcast. I look at it as sort of a day-to-day review. What worked on the pod? What could we have changed? Did I laugh a little too hard when Lee said, down to the skin? And I only listen to No Dunks on my new Sonos Move. Move is the premium portable smart speaker for listening all around your home and even outdoors. You can stream music, podcasts, radio, audiobooks, and more with Wi-Fi or Bluetooth and experience clearly detailed sound and rich bass for up to 11 hours with Move's long-lasting battery and durable, weather-resistant design. 11 hours. Think of that. I could listen to every No Dunks ad read ever performed, back to back to back to back, including this one, and still have some battery life to listen to a little music. Just pick up Move off its indoor charging base and bring the sound with you from room to room. I can't even shower now without listening to a podcast or music. The water cannot touch my skin. Luckily, I got my Move. Pop it in the bathroom, boom, rub-a-dub-dub. My buddy Ken manages a video and audio center up in Canada. He was an early adopter of Sonos, and he offered, I'm not kidding you here, to buy my move off of me because he can't keep them on the shelves. It's that good. I'm not kidding. Ken says move is the best portable smart speaker on the market. Its sound quality is unmatched. I also think it just looks awesome. Good sound, cool look. That's a good combo. So go to Sonos.com to learn more and get your Sonos move today. Brought my loofah out today. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, September 9th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here, as always, we've got Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey-o! We've got the international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. <clears throat> and last but not least, making the magic happen here, J.D. Hello. There he is. Here we are. Shout out to everyone. Joining us live right now on YouTube. Guys, keep your questions and your comments coming for our Beach Steppin' Podcasts. Got a new one dropping later today here on a Wednesday. So keep your emails coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at no dunks inc. It is up to you to help us make the classics that we do every time we step on that beach. So thank you so much. We got a lot, I think, to uh, talk about here on Wednesday's No Dunks podcast. We'll start with the games. We'll get to the Billy Donovan news. We'll actually do a little beach tease because we have so many questions. We want to get a couple into this one. But we'll start with the Western Conference. Yesterday's game, LeBron and Rondo sparked the Lakers to the 112-102 victory over the Rockets. They take the 2-1 series lead. Let me just get us started here, the biggest takeaway, because it is Rondo. Playoff Rondo is real, said Anthony Davis. It's a real thing. This was a fun game. A lot of lead changes, uh, obviously a lot of ties. Lakers took over late, but Rondo, I mean, just was instrumental in that huge run, that 10-0 run there early in the fourth quarter. He scored eight straight during it, had an assist on the other one. 21 points, nine assists, and uh, here's this guy making plays left and right in the fourth quarter of a 2020 NBA basketball game after he was written off for years, after he's obviously been ridiculed for what he can't do out there. But yeah, we get all caught up in playoff P, and oh yeah, Paul George is he this, pedestrian P. <laughs> that, forget that. 
Forget it. Playoff Rondo is real. His intensity picks up, and he contributes, and he's shooting the ball well, Lee. And I know this. I know you don't want to give any praise to Rondo, <laughs> but you got to even admit in Game 3 he was a bit of a difference maker. I, I, I will always give a guy praise when he's out there playing the right way, and he did that last night, and he did that in the last game as well. When he's out there being the guy who's shooting when he has to, and he hit one of those crazy threes, he hit a couple there last night, yep. and distributing the ball in the offense the way it should be distributed... And then hustling on defense, working hard, playing hard, doing all those things. There's no question he was a fantastic player last night for the Lakers. He was just, he, he really did turn that game, I think, and uh, was the key to them winning. I mean, obviously LeBron was fantastic. He had 29, I think it was, in the first half. LeBron sort of set the tone there. But yeah. they need guys from that their role players, their second unit, to be able to contribute and to be able to sort of keep the the lead or, or, or to put this team in, in a position to win. And he was absolutely brilliant last night there's no denying it whatsoever so uh you know when when he plays like that my opinion of him will completely change because my biggest criticism of him in the past is that he's selfishly unselfish and that he goes out looking for his numbers first and the win second but that wasn't the case at all last night he has to take shots when he's when he's left open and they still do that the rockets and he's knocking them down but also it's just his transition and the way that he gets everybody else he's looking for other guys to get involved and to score Uh, and then He's not just gambling on defense and being lazy. He's right. actually really making James Harden work. And uh, and that's a credit to him. And, you know, he is one of those guys, and I don't think he's a leader, but last night he was showing some of those other guys how to work hard on defense. And once their defense is set in there, the Lakers, they become very, very hard to beat. So full credit to him. He was brilliant. Uh, no question about it. And uh, the Lakers, you know, win this game uh, because – Primarily because of LeBron, but certainly uh, I think Rondo was their second best player last night. Yeah, the fourth quarter, the Rockets just kind of slowed down a little bit. Even Mike D'Antoni said afterwards, we were tired in the fourth quarter. And I think going back to when this small ball idea started, we all said, can these guys go four quarters playing smaller, getting beat up, playoff series after playoff series, and then you sit Daniel Hauser, who he's sitting because of personal reasons, and you only really play six and a half guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see at the end of these games, their offense is pretty predictable. And I think that helps a guy like Rajon Rondo. Uh, Rondo can double really, really, really well. Uh, he, he was playing intense defense. James Harden goes behind the back. He's there. Uh, they were doing a very good job of that. I think it's different when you got five guys uh, that are all touching the ball rather than what the Rockets do. I think that helps uh, Rajon Rondo just sort of set in or when they're playing zone, kind of set in and, and, and focus there. And he was, yeah, he was phenomenal. That was uh, the guy that when you watch him play, you start to flash back to the Celtics days. You start to think, is this guy a Hall of Famer? Is this guy going to be the only guy <laughs> to win a championship with the Celtics and the Lakers in NBA history? Uh, he was, that was, it was cool to watch uh, some little flashbacks because there's all this talk around the Lakers is LeBron and AD could be the best two players going into any series, whether it's uh, against the Clippers or whether whoever comes out of the East. But who is their third guy? All this chatter, the third guy. I'm not sure it really matters who it is uh, you know, before the game, but somebody does have to be good. And yep. it wasn't just Rondo. Uh, Kuzma was awesome in this game. Uh, they've all sort of uh, fallen into place there. And uh, it was... 
It was cool even going down to the wire where Rajon Rondo gets fouled intentionally and has to go to the line. Uh, a little bit surprising. Frank Vogel keeps him to the end of the fourth quarter. He plays 30 minutes because he's playing that good. And then Rondo steps up and hits these free throws. I do believe uh, there is a thing called playoff Rondo and there's a thing called regular season Rondo that's <laughs> yeah. not so good. I, I truly do too. What do you think, Trey? Well, of course there's a playoff Rondo. There was a national TV Rondo. He raises his game when yeah. he knows more people are going to be watching. But, I mean, kudos to this guy. He basically didn't play basketball for six months, right? He uh, returned late uh, to the bubble. He picked up some injuries here and there, and he had a terrible game one. We were saying, eh, maybe he shouldn't play at all. And then he was instrumental defensively in game two, and then he basically shut the door on the Rockets last night in game three. And part of the reason Kuzma was so good, I thought, was because he was playing alongside Rondo, and Rondo was getting him the ball when he was open. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've said for a long time that an easier way to beat the Rockets rather than just isolating is to back cut and to keep the ball moving. And you saw Kuzma... Uh, starting to notice, I think it was pointed out on the broadcast, that the Rockets do a lot of ball watching when LeBron's handling the ball, when Rondo's handling the ball, and Kuzmo is doing a great job back-cutting, getting some easy layups. But this is this could be big for the Lakers. I mean, I don't think you're going to be relying on Rondo to show up and give you 21-9 and nine every single night. Right, but right. every season, every postseason specifically, LeBron James' teams end up saying, we need somebody else who can create offense for us. We need somebody else who can make a play when it's tough for LeBron. And Rondo can do it still sometimes. He's not going to be a super reliable guy every single night, but he's still your backup point guard. He's still maybe your fourth guard, and if he's able to come in and run the offense for 10 minutes here or there, get some plays, get some good shots for the Lakers, that's huge. Yeah, even if it means that LeBron doesn't need to be going downhill to attack, he did a couple times in this game where he just went to the post, but he would, with off-ball, sort of barrel his way to the, to the post because he's huge and like Eric Gordon, I'm sorry, as strong as you are, you're no match to him. But then Rondo has the ability to throw him a pass in there. And he's so damn smart and he's so talented at passing, I think, Rondo. And LeBron and him, obviously, just their basketball IQ off the charts, is like LeBron goes to the post, makes this move, establishes very quickly, throws his left hand up, let's say, and Rondo throws it to the right side. I mean, it's just the perfect spot where LeBron just catch it, turn around and put it in. It happened a couple times. And uh, yeah, that's a, you, it helps to have a guy that can just get LeBron the ball in other positions so he doesn't have to make every, every, everything happen. Though he was incredible in the first half. You said it there, Lee, 29. He scored nearly 50% of the Lakers' points in the first 24 minutes. Finished with 36, so he cooled off. But seven yeah. boards, five assists, and maybe most importantly, and I know you were pumped on Twitter, Lee, four blocks. Mm-hmm. All of them, I think, coming in that third quarter, and some of them just... Jesus, I thought the ball was going <laughs> to deflate. He was hitting this thing so hard. I mean, the classic LeBron chase downs and stuff like that. I mean, he was setting the tone defensively too, especially in the second half, because this was a very close game at the half. Yeah, and that, that one on Austin Rivers, the slow-mo replay of that is awesome because Austin Rivers is basically laying the ball up and then LeBron just slaps it and knocks it down. But again, for LeBron, this is a pretty ideal situation that, well, maybe not ideal that he had to score 29 in the first half, but certainly that he could sort of get the team to the position he wanted in that first half, and then other guys can take over on the offense, and he can go and play defense. Because he was almost going Raptors uh, on the on the uh, Rockets there with some of those shots he was hitting in the first quarter. They're sort of the dancing back and just flicking it up the hoop, and they were going in. But yeah, LeBron, when he has that commitment on defense... Also, you know, Rondo was fantastic, as I've already mentioned there. But that also does set the tone, I think, for the rest of the team, that they're like, all right, LeBron's LeBron's locked in here. This was a winnable game still for Houston until they Mm. did kind of run out of legs. Uh, But LeBron's basically saying, we need to pick up our defense because I think you're still seeing the Rockets scoring easily enough on some transition moves and some cuts to the lane. And they're getting a lot of open threes still, you know. And you can see sometimes throughout that game, LeBron 
sort of dropped his arms a little bit, frustrated with his defense that the Rockets were able to move the ball around and get some open shots. So I think he was all maybe trying to send a little message to his team last night saying, we have to pick up the defensive intensity here because Houston are just hanging around a little bit too much for, for LeBron's liking. Yeah, Tass, admit, at halftime, did you think the Rockets were in better control of this game or was it the Lakers? Like, because it, you know, LeBron had an incredible first half performance, but it, you know, there was barely a lead. I forget what it was at the halftime. It was extremely close. The Rockets had 64 points as well. Did you feel like, whoa, that's probably better for the Rockets going into the second half here? What was your take heading into that second half? Well, the Rockets have controlled a lot of quarters in this series and they controlled uh, the first half, but the Lakers are like the Clippers. When they want to turn up the defense, they just turn it up. And I'm mm-hmm. watching the first half and seeing James Harden kind of just uh, go wherever the heck he wanted. He was prancing wherever the heck he wanted. It, it felt like uh, we were watching them play the Utah Jazz and Quinn Snyder you know, sort of play alongside him, just like kind of be pushing him into the lane, just playing him one-on-one, not doubling him, not so much playing behind him like the Utah Jazz were, or patting him on the back and saying, go ahead, jump into that lane. But it was like, do whatever you want. And then in the second half, they decided to play ball. Uh, they just need to play ball for a quarter. And uh, it, it is Clippers-like to me. And uh, I am, uh, you know, interested uh, what happens, you know, when those two teams clash, because it's just going to be, so different uh, because LeBron, yeah, he is a monster in this series. And he looks even bigger because he's the biggest guy on the floor by <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like the oldest dude with the gray beard. He looks like the strongest dude because that beard is out so big and also because his shoulders are out so big. I and mean, he looks like the tallest guy. And so you can't go anywhere close to him. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they have they have the height. Uh, they have the the discipline defensively when they want. They've got the legs because they play more guys. Uh, and it really is, it's a strange thing that the Rockets are supposed to be this faster, quicker team and they played hard. Uh, but in the end, in the third and fourth quarters, it, it just feels like in this series, the Lakers are going to tighten the screws mm. and they're going to be good enough. And the Rockets just aren't going to have enough legs uh, to play defense. They're just, it's just hard. It's just so, I think, I think what, a lot of people talk about when they went small is coming back to haunt them. They don't play enough guys. Uh, it's just too much work to overcome all this size. And uh, you play less guys. And you got guys like Russell Westbrook, who I love watching a Russell Westbrook closeout because it's not a closeout. It's just, it's funny. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just a run at you. Go by me. Uh, but um, that's it. That's, that's the way the Rockets are. I think the Lakers are just... They just know, right? They just, they just, is it, you skeets, you talked about coming into the series. Do they just know they're getting to the conference finals and they can just say, hey, we're going to turn it up, even though the Rockets have been really competitive? Yeah. Uh, they just know that third, fourth quarter, we're good enough. Yeah. And this was a good Westbrook game, I think, for Houston. It wasn't brutal, oh, yeah. especially first half. He was pretty damn amazing and he was hitting shots. But unfortunately, you look at the box score and you're like, Tucker, rough night for him, of course, not really contributing. No house, you already mentioned. That's huge. He's been playing really well for Houston as one of their really go-to guys, one of their shooters. And then Covington, he plays a big chunk of this game, obviously goes out late uh, with this that really weird sort of scary-looking injury, taking the you know errant elbow, I guess, to the face. Um, also hitting AD in the hip there. It was strange. Both guys going down. But, uh, yeah, this is tough. I, I, I'm excited. Look, we're getting Clippers-Lakers. I'm sorry. We just are. We'll, we'll see, uh, you know, if we still have series here in the semifinals, in the West semifinals with the Nuggets and the Rockets. Still capable teams. Still probably going to maybe win a game each still. I don't know. Maybe they both go six or seven. But it's going to be Clippers-Lakers. And it's tough not to get super excited about these juggernauts uh, running into each other. Because... Look, we didn't even talk about them. You know, 
Anthony Davis, Trey, you know, playing a bunch a bunch of minutes at center. I mean, JaVale McGee played, what, a handful of minutes at center. Um, no, no Dwight Howard, coach's decision. So it's AD as your five. It's LeBron as your four. And uh, he was awesome. I mean, he's, again, it's overlooked. No surprise. Come on. 20, yeah, I know. It's like, write it down every game. 25, 15, 5, let's say. Um, you know, probably Castile in a block here or there. He didn't have a block last night. But uh, incredible performance. I mean, he's the perfect, like, secondary guy to LeBron. They just need to find out, like Tass said, who's the third guy tonight? Kuzma? You? Rondo? Okay, cool. Morris? You know, Danny Green hitting threes. Um, that's the key, really, for, for me and the Lakers moving forward. Yeah, just listen to No Dunks. There are some other podcasts out there that will tell you that the Lakers should have stayed big against the Rockets. Not us. We knew. We knew what was happening here, and Anthony Davis is just incredible. 26 points on 13 shots. Do the math. That's two points per shot. It's very, very good. Um, And the defense is still there. You know, the Lakers have been a top-five defensive team all year, and when... Davis is flying around the literally biggest guy on the court. LeBron, the second biggest guy on the court, giving a defensive effort out there. They're going to be able to turn it up, and that's exactly what happened uh, in the second half. The Rockets just have to play perfectly every single minute to have a great defense, and they have to give 100% effort every single minute. They've done it so far in the bubble, but, you know, they had a slip-up in uh, game three, and they just, um, the Lakers are just better, you know? 38 points they allowed in the second half, and it it was a wrap. Just yeah. seeing uh, Le- LeBron go for playoff LeBron in the fourth quarter. We had playoff Rondo uh, shutting the door as well. It was an impressive performance by the Lakers. And you don't know exactly who the third guy is going to be. But when you're able to get 26 from Davis and 36 from LeBron, then you can figure out the third guy, right? Yeah. As long as your first two guys show up and are giving an incredible effort on both ends of the court, whoever the third guy is, that's just gravy. Yeah, I got a, the, I got a quick, quick sorry, excuse, yeah. quick numbers question because uh, Anthony Davis two points per shot, thirteen shots, twenty six points. We don't count free throws as shots. I just find that interesting. <laughs> what if Anthony Davis has one shot, but he goes to the free throw line twenty five times, he hits twenty five free throws. It's like twenty five points per shot. You know what I mean? Isn't that weird <laughs> when you think about it? Free throws should kind of count as shots because they are. Well, I possession. mean, you could go deeper into the yeah. shooting possessions yeah, if you wanted yeah, to, but yeah. it sounds so good when you say two points per shot. Oh, like points per possession, right? Yeah. That would that would be the number. Okay, cool, good talk. Well, I was <laughs> now I forget actually what I was going to say. Um, it was something AD related. Oh, I know what it was. You said it there, Trey. The funny part is the Lakers going small is still gigantic, you know, compared to the Rockets, and and because the, they have AD and LeBron as their bigs, and it's uh, it's that is their version of going small because they have even biggers. They have two centers in McGee and Dwight Howard who have played during the season, and I think we might see in a Clippers series, right? I think there's more of a role for them maybe in that series, uh, matching up with Zubats and stuff like that, and trying to take care of the glass. But uh, that that's looking ahead a little too much, maybe. Yeah, certainly Dwight. I think uh, with that second unit going out there against Montrez is. is- Probably going to see some court time because he's not a real good fit for this this matchup, I don't think, against mm-hmm. the Rockets. Do you still believe in the Rockets to make this a series, Lee? Um, do you, you know, going deep, let's yeah. say six or seven, yeah? Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, again, that first half, the Rockets led at halftime, you know, and they led after three quarters of game two. So they, they've certainly shown enough, but it's the 48-minute commitment. That's really what it's going to have to take from Houston. And uh, when they are playing at their best, and again, that ball's moving around, and on defense, they're moving around as well and getting out to the Lakers shots and making it difficult as difficult as possible as they can for Lakers. Because honestly, I think the Rockets would probably live with 29 points from LeBron because that means he's doing so much on the offensive end. And they yeah. that's not what the Lakers want. They don't want to play that way. So the Rockets are probably okay with that. And again, especially because they led. But uh, that's the thing. The, re- the real question here is just, uh, is other legs starting to catch up with the Rockets a little bit in these games? Because we've seen it now 
in the last two games where they've just not been able to quite maintain that same energy. But again, a lot of that is just that the Lakers and LeBron seem to turn it up in that fourth quarter. Yeah. So that's going to be the key. But uh, but I you know I don't like it's it's certainly heading towards a, a gentleman a, a douchebag sweep here for the Lakers. Game four will be the big one there for the Houston Rockets. But they've shown enough that uh, they can win another game for me. Yeah. Wow, you're calling possibility of back-to-back douchebag sweeps from the Lakers? You're calling <laughs> LeBron a douchebag? Maybe we should call LeBron a LeBron sweep, not a douchebag sweep, because this is oh, tends to be what's whoa. not bad. Yeah, this is his MO, isn't it? I mean, yep. he's just like, I'm the not The feel-out game one, yeah. here you go, here yeah. you go, and we'll figure then you I'll, out. <laughs> then I'll just crush you in the next yeah. four games. It's like, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. We'll, see. we'll see. Any Any other random observations or notes from this one? I just want to say the Lakers playing their version of small, you know, without a big on the floor, did a great job of taking away the threes from the Rockets. They only got up 30. They want to hit 30. Uh, that, yeah, you know, 12 yeah. of 30, even though it's a good percentage, even though they're, they're main guys like Harden, 11 for 23. Westbrook, 13 for 24. Jeffy Green, 7 for 11 from the floor. <laughs> Robbie, Bobby Cove, two, 4 for 7. Like, they all shot pretty well. But Except the Lakers, Eric Gordon. <laughs> EG, rough night for Eric Gordon. Night, yeah, yeah. skip that on the box score. Yeah, he was the only one who really had... Uh, a bad night. Yeah, it wasn't feeling it. Um, they ran him off the line really well, uh, but that's they did a good job. Uh, really, they were they were getting out there, uh, and, and that's how they win ball games. Uh, they ran West, West, Russell Westbrook off the line uh, pretty well. I still love seeing a Russell Westbrook banker, uh, especially on that mm-hmm. camera angle we get. He he goes, he goes through it a lot. <laughs> goes right to left. Oh baby, there's just not too many guys who go to the banker. People were saying maybe he's got a bank his threes he'll have a better percentage <laughs> it's possible uh because yeah it's it's it doesn't look like it's going in no uh, it doesn't. you don't trust it but then bang way high off the glass there's just not too many dudes left Dragic is still doing it yeah uh, there's just not a lot of dudes who go bank anymore yeah so especially guards for sure it's rare to see the the point guard whatever shooting guard you want to call westbrook yeah just explode to a spot rise up get super high and then just rifles it off the glass because that's the thing his shots are not the prettiest uh you know softest highest arcing shots in the world so he just ricochets it off the rim but uh he had it going you're right it was a decent westbrook game i mean he had he he had some fight left him left in him late in that game i thought he was fired up after every like sort of garbage time-ish like basket he's trying to just keep them <laughs> around but he was i couldn't believe he didn't get tech it felt like he was just screaming at the ref um, or maybe it was the opposition he was screaming at. Every time he scored there late, like just trying to will this team back into the game. But uh, they were just down a little too much at that point. Good win. Good, good win from the Lakers. Up 2-1 in that series, like I said. All right, let's move over to the Eastern Conference game from yesterday. The Heat topped the freakless Bucks to win the series 4-1. Reach the East Finals. Miami Heat going to the East Finals. So we can talk about the Heat getting there in this game and we can also talk a little bit more about Milwaukee Bucks and the honest situation if we want but Taz get us started where you want to go yeah I want to get to Giannis because they okay. took care of business no doubt uh, they had the Tyler Hero ball going at the end oh got a few Jimmy minutes so yeah it's nice for the Heat to be able to rely on a guy that beyond their three stars beyond their big three of uh, Jimmy Butler uh, Dragic and Bam it's Oh, yeah, this guy can create his own shot uh, and get it whenever he wants it. He's a rook. Uh, it's, it's it doesn't seem like a rookie. Not when he's, no. like, pulling out baseline floaters and transition pull-up threes, and he had that slick, like, left-handed and one. Like, he is – he does not play like a rookie. He's, uh, no. he, he's composed out there. He's, he's got that swag, as everyone says. But, uh, yeah, that was – he was awesome for them, I thought, down yeah, the stretch. And they trust him. They trust him. Oh, yeah. 
to just do whatever he wants out there. And uh, that's, that is something for a rookie and for Eric Spolstra to be able to do that. Uh, yeah, let's just get to the other side because the series is over. Uh, they took care of business there in Game 5, even though it wasn't a pretty basketball game. Uh, Giannis Tetacumpo is going to be the story for now and forever. But I thought he said all the right things if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan after the game, talking about wanting to be there long term as saying some see a wall and go in another direction. I plow through it. Uh, <laughs> There's and, a lot of jokes made about that quote. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you do that on the floor a lot too. No doubt. That's what coach said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he talked a lot about culture, uh, which I think is not a great sign for the future of Mike Budenholzer. When he talks about culture, as he's saying either, he's saying one of two things. He's saying either our guys got to be in better shape to be able to uh, go like the Miami Heat are every minute of every quarter, or he's saying the culture needs to be not everybody has to touch the ball every possession, my man. We get the ball in the hands of the good guys. And so I, I, I'm definitely skeptical of Mike Budenholzer's future, but I'm not so skeptical of Giannis's immediate future. I, I think he'll be there for at least the next year, two, three. Uh, he's not going anywhere. And, and I think it's also good for the NBA that a small market team will likely keep it superstar. And uh, because, you know, the general fan, if you talk to somebody outside of our little sphere, always thinks, oh, there's a player in Milwaukee. Get him out of there. Go to New York. You know, there's a lot of uh, big town bias. And, and, you know, we'll even get to uh, Billy Donovan's uh, leaving the, the Oklahoma City Thunder and that small market franchise. And how Sam Presti thinks a small market team has to be built. It's a similar thing going on in Milwaukee. It's hard to keep stars. And so it's a good sign if Giannis wants to stay around. And I do believe his words uh, that he wants to be a loyalist to that team. There was the rumor that we talked about yesterday with Damian Lillard in Portland and potentially those two guys meeting, matching up. I think they're a lot, they're very much more similar then they are different in that they want to stick around their small market and want to make it work. So I think it's a good sign for uh, for Bucks fans going forward. But do you think Tass he signs the five year supermax then this offseason? Expected to be what like two hundred twenty million dollars? Nah, because you were thinking he does something different where he puts a little more pressure on the organization, more immediate pressure on the organization, signing smaller deals like we've seen from some of these superstars. Uh, and he goes that route instead of the five-year Supermax. You think yeah. that's the case? Yeah. Yeah, and I think the front office says to him, hey, you'd also be helping us if you put your name on the dotted line, even if it's for just another one plus one or, or two years, because that uh, signifies to free agents that you're at least going to be around, mm-hmm. and, and that would help us. And so I think he wants to help the franchise. But five years, even though it's a bajillion dollars uh, because they can offer him more, I don't know. I just – maybe I'm just – I'm uh, reading into the, I'm believing the smoke, I guess, with all this talk about him leaving a little bit, but I don't know what you guys think, but five years just seems like a long time. He shouldn't <laughs> sign a five-year deal. He should not sign a five-year deal with the Bucks. They had a chance to to bring back their entire squad from last season, and they cheaped out on signing Eric or uh, on Malcolm signing Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon, and they chose Bledsoe instead. And, I'm, and I mean, if you're Giannis, you look at that and you say, you see the way that things went down in the playoffs and say, our first real chance at winning a championship, they cheaped out. What's going to happen in the next five years? I would I would do a one-and-one, one, and I mean, it is encouraging to hear the words that Giannis has said, but we've heard a lot of the similar things from similar players in the past. I never thought Kevin Durant was going to leave OKC. See you later. I never thought LeBron would leave Cleveland the first time. See you later. Never thought 
LeBron would leave Miami. See you later. Kyrie Irving said, yeah, I'll sign back with the Celtics if you guys will have me. See you later. They like to say the right things. And I mean, surely Giannis does want to create a culture and win a championship in Milwaukee, but he needs to really start flexing his muscles here and saying, bring in good guys, get what you can, do everything you can, trade our draft picks. We don't need another Dante DiVincenzo around here. We don't need another Pat Connaughton. We need some guys who are going to show up in the playoffs. We can't be playing 40-year-old men out here with me the entire time. So he should be on short contracts. He should be in the LeBron scenario where you're putting pressure on the front office to spend and to get better every single season because we just saw the Bucks come up short um, in in the playoffs again. And I mean, it's only their second year of really being a title contender, but in, in their first shot after last year, finishing with the best record in the league, you've got the reigning MVP to not sign a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, I think was a huge error, and we're all seeing it now. Um, yeah. that now you have to rely on Bledsoe. So Giannis has got to be a superstar here and say, I'm the superstar. Do everything you can to keep me around here because I will leave eventually. Lee, I'm going to give you three options. You're the Bucks here heading into the offseason. One, just run it back, okay? You just go all all in on what you have, which is obviously an incredible regular season team, both offensively and defensively. You basically keep the same roster. You keep the same coach. That's option one. Option two, you're, you're keeping Giannis, duh. But you're trying to upgrade the roster, okay? Whatever that entails, what you can do, which is not going to be easy, I think, with that roster. And or you fire Budenholzer and you bring in a new boss, a new head coach. Uh, And then the third thing I guess you could say is like, if he doesn't sign the extension, you look to trade Giannis, but I don't think that's really, uh, you're not going to get value back for, of course, trading a two-time MVP here. So what do you do of those? Do you run it back? Do you just try and upgrade the roster, maybe keep Boonholzer, or do you move off of Boonholzer and bring in someone else to try and see if you can get more potential out of them in the playoffs? Yeah, well, it's definitely not option three there. It's uh, yeah. it's between one or two. Now, I mean, we talked about playoff Rondo, but playoff coach Bud is also a thing for the wrong reasons. <laughs> really, I mean, he, yeah. he's, he comes up short. Um, so if you are the Bucks, and, and again, on all, all those things you guys are saying uh, are right, that they need, Giannis needs to flex his muscles and basically say, I'm the star here, put me, surround me with talent. But if you look at their regular seasons, the Bucks have been the best team. So right, it's something right. is happening come playoff time. So I think that points back to the coach. So I think I think Budenholzer is probably the one on the hot seat the most. But then who is the guy that can, can do what Steve Kerr did for the Warriors and, and get that team to perform? You know, there's not a Phil Jackson available. Popovich is not going to go to that team. So you need someone else who can come in and, and really get the best out of everyone. Because I think Budenholzer, to his credit has done a fantastic job with basically saying, Giannis, you're the best player. Go out and go crazy because he's going to be the two-time MVP. So that's smart coaching there. But it's come playoff time. Bud seems to be just unsure of then how to change things up when things get a bit crazy. But the first thing the Bucks have to do for me is not fire him, is to get rid of Bledsoe. He's had long enough now. Another dud yesterday. He's been a dud in the playoffs the entire time he's been there. He is now just, he's just a dead weight come playoff time. So he's got to go first. And then you got to, yeah, you you got to, you can't rely too much on guys like Kyle Korver, who, as much as I love him, he should only be out there for like, we need one basket here, and this is what you do: you shoot threes. George Hill's another guy coming off the bench. He was shooting the three. I think he shot the highest percentage for threes this season. He was okay, but we didn't really see him step up in the playoffs either. So I think Middleton survives, uh, even though he wasn't great yesterday. I think he's he's shown he's been an All Star, potentially an All NBA player. He's, he does need to step up, and he's on the hot seat somewhat as well. But certainly the biggest thing for the for the Bucks is to bring in that, that extra talent, that younger talent that can complement Giannis and help him reach that next level um, and, and go from there. Budenholzer, Budenholzer might just survive. I, I sort of have a feeling that they might just give him one more season. 
but clearly they they need to uh, improve that roster again, and that that's the pressure on the Bucks is because they're going to have to do it, I guess, through free agency. Um, you know, I don't I don't know sort of. I don't think they've got the pieces there to make a big trade that can bring in what they Outside need. Outside of moving Middleton, I'm exactly, with you. Yeah. I'm not sure really yeah. what you would do. Like, what are you really getting for a get, Bledsoe? Uh, I guess maybe a Brook. There's some could be some interest. They need. They need. What do they need though? Do they need a point guard? They need a playmaker like Brogdon. They would <laughs> trade. They would trade help? Brogdon for Bledsoe in a heartbeat if they could. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, the Pacers are not going to do that. Uh, right. that. That was clearly a mistake, and that was clearly, yeah. you know, financially we don't want to pay him this money. But Brogdon, the one thing about Brogdon, even though he wasn't great himself in that first round series, he is a steady hand at late in games, and uh, he, he's a, he's a reliable player. Bledsoe is when he plays, because there were injury issues. Yes, with yeah, him. there was, there was, right. uh, no, no doubt about it. But I don't mind Ble- uh, Brogdon having the ball in his hands when Bledsoe's out there. It's like again, Bledsoe yesterday was the perfect opportunity for him to say, right, I'm just, I'm getting 35 today. I don't care how, I don't care how many shots. I'm just getting 35, and he went two for nine, I think, in the end. Um, you know, yeah. if by now it's like, all right, Bledsoe, you, you know, this is not your first season, this is not your second season. Like you've had long enough here. There was talk about Bledsoe being an All Star this year. But again, in the playoffs, the same guy turned up and let his team down. So yeah, brain fart Bledsoe. I hear some people call him <laughs> in the playoffs. In the playoffs, I mean, like honestly, even in that game yesterday, it was a close game. It was a four point game. Uh, Bucks need a stop. There's like a yep. minute forty five to go. Gets kicked to the corner, Jimmy Butler, and but and uh, Bledsoe. He just went for the impossible steal in exactly. the corner, and he just barreled over Butler, and it was a foul. It was like. It was like, what are you doing, man? Like, I get it. You, you like the intensity, but that's just dumb. That is, in that part of the game, that's a, you're not getting the ball there. <laughs> I don't know what you were yeah. thinking you were going to do there. It was just uh, silly, a brain fart there. But, uh, yeah, they're going to try and maybe move off Bledsoe. Hey, look, did Chris Paul come in there? Could it help their chances to move further on? What do you think? I mean, he's an old guy. I know that. Yes, yes, <laughs> of course. I think it helps. It, it would. It, it definitely would help. But it's also a little bit of Shaq going to the Cavs at the end of his career. I think like you're only oh, going to get well, you're only going to get a year or two. I think Giannis needs someone who he can sort of see there with him for the next you know five or six years more. So that's myself. Oh, I in think. a perfect world, yeah, but maybe your window years, your windows. No we just got done talking about pressures on possibly from Giannis, yeah. depending on what contract he signs. Hey, we got to win now. This yes. year, the next year, two-year window, You're man. You're sounding like Stephen A. Smith, Lee. Maybe they need to get Damian Lillard in there. <laughs> yeah, come on. I don't think you're, I'm, I, just, I, I'm just saying, like, like I, I understand that the Bucks are like, listen, we've got to keep Giannis for these next two years no matter what, but you've also got to have someone who can potentially be there with him for a while. But again, that's like finding a young guy in his prime who's available. You know, that's that's not easy. So, uh, right. Right. you know. Decisions look, to be made. Yeah, Trade yeah. Middleton. Get rid of him. I mean, he's fine. He's a fine player. He's got an all-star reputation. And having that reputation, you might be able to get something nice for him. Like, I would take two years of Chris Paul. I cannot believe I'm saying this. I would take two years of Chris <laughs> Paul rather than Chris Middleton. If you're talking straight Chris's, give me Paul over Middleton just because, uh, you know, Chris Paul has been there before and he's done things a little bit. He's gone a little further, I feel like, than Chris Middleton, a little bit more uh, respectable come crunch time. And maybe Middleton's enough to lure a bigger fish. Chris Paul, you know, is near the end of his career, no doubt about it. You're not getting six years of him, but you could get a good two years of him, and maybe that matters for Giannis. Yeah. Um, a couple other notes just from this game or the fallout. Uh, Tass wanted to get your reaction to Bucks forward Marvin Williams <laughs> retiring from the NBA, I guess, after, what, 15 seasons, is it? Says he's uh, hanging him up. He's done. He's done. I, you know, he's one of those guys that sort of uh, floats by the, even even the most uh, devoted NBA fans 
you know, spectrum, really, because he was the number two pick way back when behind Andrew Bogut in 2005. And uh, he was picked by the Hawks, picked out of North Carolina where he had a big shot. Uh, didn't live up to his draft spot, but at the same time, he was a really good player in this league for a really long time. And he had a good game in his final game. And I'm sure he, that helped him uh, hang it up there right after the game. And as he told uh, Mark Spears, I'm done. 15 years. I thought he was going to go longer. Uh, it's it's wild to see how young he still is because uh, he only played one year in college. And I thought... How old I, is he? 33? 34? So, yeah, he's just 33. Wow. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> wow, he feels 40. He does. Is he 34? Yeah. He's, he's 34, barely. Uh, okay. Barely. In barely. June. Still, he yeah. feels way older than that. Yeah. he Like, you know, Trey mentioned Kyle Korver and the oldies on the Bucks. I thought he could get to that age. I thought he could be a 20-year guy uh, with the way he plays. Uh, because he's, he's still, you know, taking it in the post and uh, banking one home yesterday. Unfortunately, he didn't pick himself at the two spot, so there's a lot of people who will say, oh, God, he wasn't a number worthy of a number two pick, but he had a decent career, uh, and, and yeah, just just wasn't a number two pick in that draft where there were some other guys taken behind him who had really good careers. All right, is that the Chris... Chris Paul draft? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't yes. want to mention that name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Paul, Darren Williams, yeah. He ended up spending five years in Charlotte. Marvin Williams. I sort of think of him as Atlanta and Utah, and then like, <laughs> oh yeah, he was in Charlotte for a bit, but five years. Wow. wow. Yeah, he spent yeah, too I'm much sure time you on a lot of Hornets games. Yeah, yeah, way too much time on the Hornets, and that's the thing. I feel like Marvin Williams should have been a guy who was showing up on random playoff teams like the Bucks. You know, it's probably a little disheartening if you're a Bucks fan to see Marvin Williams out there closing games, and then when you're eliminated, he immediately retires. That cannot be a good sign. But Marvin Williams shouldn't have spent five years on the Hornets. He should have been. You know, show up on the Pacers as a guy off the bench for a couple of seasons or something like that. He, uh, It's tough to put a, a finger on your favorite Marvin Williams moments. He should have had more. More Marvin. Mm. <laughs> yeah, more Marvin. <laughs> Make a whole Marvin, Marvin. room. A um, couple other notes. The Heat, number five seed. They're going to the conference finals here. The last team to do that, I asked Schumann on Twitter last night. He came through. It was the Grizzlies, the 2012-13 Grizzlies as the fifth seed went to the conference finals that year. That was a big part of uh, Patrick Beverly, I believe, hurting Russell Westbrook, uh, unless I have that wrong, but uh, that was that year. Also, hilarious shout-out to the TNT broadcast for going with the mad close-ups on all those Bucks players at the end of this game, just begging, hoping to see some tears, to see some emotion <laughs> from somebody. They were cutting to everybody. Oh, camera one, camera two, ready? All right, let's try them. It was a great call. Didn't really get what they wanted, I think. But uh, I did love in this game Giannis shaking his head. I felt like we were all Giannis for a second after Jay Crowder hit another three-pointer. And it's like, what is going on with this guy right now? And uh, it was perfect, uh, perfect shot of like even Giannis like, come on. I mean, Jay Crowder's hitting all these threes. What are we going to do? This was such an ugly game, though. Uh, I'm so happy the series is over. It was brutal. I mean, the Heat were letting the Bucks hang around in this game. They were like giving the ball over at one point midway through the fourth quarter on 25% of their possessions, a turnover. And, uh, you know, the Bucks couldn't really capitalize, but it was not a pretty game. And it wasn't helped that the entire game, it felt like, tell me if I'm wrongly, there was some kids screaming in the broadcast throughout this entire thing. Uh, what's the, I, I, I didn't really notice, to oh be honest. Oh my I mean, God. 
People were saying uh, they brought back a screaming Spurs lady from a few years uh, ago. Just oh screams oh at the top God. of her lungs. All game long, especially at the beginning, Lee. You could hear kids. I yeah. don't care. I mean, but I saw some of the people that are in the bubble. I think Tim Reynolds was tweeting at me. He's like, yeah, I'm like 12 feet away from it. If you can hear it on the broadcast... Put yourself in my shoes right now. This is how loud they are being yeah. down here. Uh, I've just kind of gotten used to the sort of fake noise, so I don't really take, pay too much attention to it these days. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bad performance. You talk about the fourth quarter there. In the third quarter, the Bucks went about seven minutes without scoring, and Middleton was just flinging up shots. Uh, he hit those in game four. Uh, but oh man, that 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 was and the and the Heat weren't scoring. That was the thing. That was the door was open there, right there for Milwaukee to to maybe build an eight to ten point cushion, and they couldn't do it. And it's just like oh my god, end this end this game and end this series for <laughs> Milwaukee, please. Like it was it was just a horrible end. I mean, you know, obviously without Giannis they're a different team, but they shouldn't have been that bad really in that uh, in in that situation where they're playing for their playoff lives. So. Yeah, I was hoping after that first quarter we were going to get all crazy, and I was like, "Oh my god, I would love it if the Bucks win this game. This would just be so wild. Game Game Six would be incredible." Then, but uh, yeah, instead, Jimmy was just waiting for it, man. He was pulling another rat out there. He didn't really, he didn't really do much. I didn't think in games no. four or games five, but in the last two minutes of Game Five, it was a free throw fest. He was in the lane every single time. It was a kick out at one point. It took about three minutes of Jimmy Butler playing hard and being Jimmy Butler to close out this series. But, uh, you know, he was great uh, through the first three games and then a little underwhelming, no doubt, in games four and five. Is he saving it for the next round? Most likely. But uh, we got to see it in game one. We got to see it in game one or else we're going to crush him, baby. (laughs) And we won't look too far ahead here. We'll save it for another podcast where we start talking about the Heat. Find out who the heck they're playing. Is it going to be the Celtics after tonight? No, because the Raptors are forcing a game seven. But uh, I'm excited to, to eventually break down that series with you guys because I'm excited to hear what you think of the Heat and their chances versus either a Celtics team or a Raptors team in the conference finals because they've been pretty damn dominant here in the bubble. All right, we'll get to the Donovan news. We'll uh, do a little beach step in. But first, football is back this week. And I know nothing. In fact, Kevin O'Connor... Shared his fantasy football team yesterday on Twitter, guys. I saw his team, and I was like, I knew three guys, like tops. I knew Barkley, Saquon Barkley, if I'm even saying that correctly. I know he's a running back. Mike Evans and Carson Wentz, who I think is a quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. Evans is a wide receiver. Yeah, I'm so out of touch. I used to know a lot about football. Now I know nothing. I used to know Steve Tasker, Bruce Smith, and Don Beebe and his giant helmet. He was the John Allroot of the NFL. Now I know nothing. But DraftKings can help you out, for sure. Because you know a lot more than me, so you want to play me in DraftKings because you'll beat me and take money. DraftKings are the leader in one-day fantasy sports because it puts you right in the center of this week's action with over $8 million. I thought that was a typo at first. $8 million are up for grabs across all of their contests. To kick off the season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at $1 million that top prize with your first deposit when you use the code MAYS, M-A-Y-S, during sign-up. So you can get in on the action now. You draft your lineup. You feel the sweat like oh, never before. Yeah, every run, you're sweating. Every pass, you're sweating. <laughs> every catch, you're sweating. You got to shower after every game you play with DraftKings. But <laughs> it's the best part of it. It's simple. You pick your lineup. You stay under the salary cap. And you see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat I love how they italicize sweat in this copy. It's like, we own we own this. I'm surprised if they haven't trademarked this. The sweat of watching the game 
Quite like having a shot at that million dollar prize, DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Cash. So download the DraftKings app now and use the code MAYS, M-A-Y-S, for a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and compete at over $8 million. Guys, enter the code MAYS to get a free shot. Just do it at DraftKings and uh, good luck. You're going to make it rain like you're at a strip club in Auckland with your old eight toes beside you. <laughs> making it rain with his toes. <laughs> Adelaide, not Auckland. Oh, is that a little... Oh, get it right. Whoops, yeah, I got yeah. the wrong country. Yeah. But it was with eight toes, They're I'll giving them that. away a million dollars for one of each of eight toes' eight toes. Yes, <laughs> that's right. million dollars. Which toe are you going to win from all eight toes this weekend? Which one do you want? Do you want the crazy one or do you want one of the normal ones? Uh, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details okay sign, sign up to DraftKings it's easy you're gonna beat Skeets doesn't know anything about football you just I don't know nothing. you just James loftened up a softball for people to <laughs> knock it out of the park I know him I remember yeah. him yeah. Um, I'm gonna put yeah. a Daryl Talley in Tass's column for that one nice oh baby Cornelius Bennett don't have a, don't have a line <laughs> but I'm just gonna say a name <laughs> Kent Hull uh, that was a fantastic Andre Reed of that copy. Okay. Nice. Uh, Oklahoma City coach Billy Donovan will not be returning to the Thunder next season. The team said in a statement that both parties mutually agreed to part ways. Billy's contract expired at season's end, and the sides decided the sides decided against pursuing an extension here. So Donovan took the Thunder guys to the playoffs all five years in OKC. He was a finalist this year for NBA Coach of the Year. I guess he was a winner. He was the co-coach of the year when it came to the coaches' vote. Um, but... You know, he really got this team to outperform expectations, especially from early in the year. What do you think about this? Bit of, bit of a surprise, I guess, for a lot of people out there, Trey. Uh, Donovan not going to be with OKC. Definitely a surprise because, like you're saying, Skeets, he just won the coach's coach of the year. We know the other winner of that one was Mike Budenholzer. Not looking good for those two guys right now. Uh, but, yeah, the Thunder overachieved, as we heard Numerous times uh, during the broadcast, they only had a 1.4 chance of making the playoffs, according to the experts. Uh, they did make the playoffs. They came down to a James Harden block of a Lou Dort three-pointer of advancing to the second round. So all those things considered and the fact that Donovan seems to be well-liked and that this was, was by all accounts, an amicable parting, the rebuild is on. You know, we saw Chris Paul's basically goodbye video to the Thunder, despite the fact that he's still under contract with them. And now this with Donovan, you just have to think that they are going to really be uh, moving into the next phase. They give it a shot with Chris Paul, see if they could maybe steal a playoff series, see just how far they could go. It ended up not being the case, uh, but the rebuild has to officially be on at this point. Yeah, you would think so. OKC has 13 first-round picks and three sets of swap rights across the next <laughs> seven drafts. Yeah, they are feeling the sweat. Are they good picks, though? You know, people say that. Well, and I saw, I saw the one that was highlighted was the Nuggets pick this year. That's not a great it's not pick. That great. Yeah, I mean, but it's, not... it's it's an asset though. It's an asset. Though. It's a bite yeah. at the apple tax. Bundle them. You never know. You Tyler never know. Hero just went thirteenth. Right? Look at him performing in the uh, playoffs. Well, if there's any team that makes good picks, though, it is definitely the OKC Thunder. If you mm -hmm. look at all the guys that have come through True. there, it is phenomenal. So yeah, I definitely think that this is a new phase of OKC. And when you look at a headline and you read a story that it was amicable between a GM and a coach, that they mutually parted ways, it's always skeptical. Always. Right. Right. As a guy just stepped down, just doesn't want this million dollar position. But this one's believable. 
mm-hmm. uh, for, for some reason, uh, that Sam Presti and Billy Donovan talked about the future. I, I'm guessing, and that Billy Donovan said, I, I don't know if I can do a rebuild. And, and if you right. remember last year, uh, Sam Presti wrote an op-ed. He decided to go to the paper, The Oklahoman, and, and wrote about how it's so tough as a small market team uh, to be able to just get free agents from here and there. So we got to decide. We got we got to decide to invest in all those draft picks and probably trade Chris Paul while his value is at a, a ridiculously high value. That was probably surprising to even Sam Presti when he traded for him last year. Uh, so I would assume that was the conversation. And Billy Donovan said, yeah, not my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I want to do this for another seven years. And now he's... Uh, uh, a candidate for the Philadelphia 76ers job already. It went from Twitter. It went from Billy Donovan's gone. Billy Donovan is a candidate. Within a <laughs> well, Billy Donovan's going to get another job. I have no doubt at all about that. If he wants one, maybe he wants to take a little time off after coaching, take a season off. But there are plenty of jobs. There might even be one in Milwaukee that he might be uh, interested in as well. So uh, I have no doubt that Billy Donovan is going to be coaching next season. It's just where he wants to go. New Orleans is still in a open a vacancy there. It's it's kind of a rebuild, but you've already got the pieces there in place. Uh, so, yeah, I think Billy Donovan this season was fantastic for his reputation. He got a lot out of that team. I think uh, it's just a matter of where he signs next. Really. Maybe Chicago, Trey. Maybe he's going to the Bulls. What do you think? Uh, that was the rumor. They want Billy Donovan, but I also remember when John Paxson was fired, the Bulls were very interested in bringing in Sam Presti. Never did an interview. I have a feeling that Billy Donovan might be a little bit too rich for their blood. I know what you're thinking. Isn't Chicago a huge market? Couldn't they afford a coach like Billy Donovan? They could. Let's see if they do it. Right. Yeah, I guess there's um there's right now, you're right about the Bucks. They could have an opening here, but there's four other teams with coaching vacancies, right? Five now if you count OKC. Bulls, Pacers, Pelicans, and then the Sixers are the teams that, that need a head coach right now. So Billy Donovan, yeah, could be a, an available candidate for any of those teams if they're interested. And I do believe, uh, I agree with you, uh, Tass, that this is one of those rare ones where it's like, yeah, they just sort of got together and said, all right, uh, we're going to be doing this. We're going this route. And you didn't sign up for that. Because let's remember, he signed up to lead a Durant-Russell Westbrook mm. team to a title. Now, he didn't, and things fell apart. But that's what his job was. And then the Thunder changed into a completely different team a couple of times, and he did a pretty damn good job, especially this year, um, out, you know, uh, just like outperforming again these expectations. So this is just something completely different. And if they're really going to lean into this, uh, the rebuild and really investing in the young guys, then yeah, he's just probably not down for it. He wants something different. I'm sure he wants to compete for a title. So maybe he sees a Sixers team. Maybe a Bulls team. Uh, oh sure man! All right, yeah, sign <laughs> yeah. up if that's the case. Yeah, no. So, so I can, so I believe I do believe that uh, this was, um, you know, a mutual parting of ways. And I know we have some fun with what happened uh, with their in their meeting a little bit later, probably for tweet of the night. Do okay, you think uh, Billy Donovan's a good coach? Does anybody really have a feel well, for it? Because I'm like, he showed up the last Kevin Durant season in OKC, which now is pretty weird to think um, that they brought in a, a first-time NBA head coach trying to save uh, Kevin Durant staying in OKC. They obviously blew a 3-1 lead. That's usually a huge mark against you right. in the NBA. And then after that, it was the Westbrook show. That was a Westbrook team, and the question was always, how can they be better than the sum of their parts? And then this year, it was Chris Paul's team. I don't know that you necessarily think Billy Donovan... 
put his imprint on any of those teams, except for to say point guards are certainly empowered in a Billy Donovan system. Yes, I agree 100% with that, Trey. I'm not really sure if he's all that good a coach. He just seems like an average sort of coach to me, which isn't at times a bad sure. idea if you have the right players. Like you said, if, you, if, you've, got, if you've got a player coaching Chris Paul, then you're sort of laughing. Yeah, He, he, uh, he won two championships with Florida, didn't he? Is that right? Yeah. That's where he yeah. came from. So, And those teams were, I guess, Noah, Horford, and... Uh, and Brewer, so he didn't have a, he didn't really have a solid point guard in the college system, at least, did he? Is that right? Trey probably don't, knows better don't than. Don't ask uh, me. I don't yeah. know anything about. You don't the like Daquan Cook and Teddy yeah. Dupay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, but he did have you know three lottery picks. So yeah, you should win a championship if you have three lottery picks. Yeah, but to do it twice is still pretty tough. No isn't doubt, it? no yeah. doubt. But uh, I'll give the credit to Horford and Noah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think Teddy he's... Dupay and Don Bebe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to call the show that. I definitely won't call the show. That. So uh, what are you gonna say, Lee? Oh, I just I think I think overall this season again it, coming off this season I think okay yeah he's had a, he had a pretty good season this year. How much of that was Chris Paul? A lot. But again, it always comes down to the talent of the players you have around you. So. Uh, you know, if he goes to a situation where the talent is already there, like Philadelphia, if he can get something out of that, then I think that would really uh, enhance his coaching credentials. But if he goes there and it's the same sort of thing with Philadelphia, who knows? Um, you know, but I, like I say, I think he's he basically can pick which job he wants uh, for the ones that he's going to get interest from anyway. Mm, we will see. We will see. Okay, let's um let's get ready for today's beach stepping podcast that's coming up a little bit later uh, by doing a doing a few cues right now. Let's hit the beach. Yeah, we'll try and make these somewhat quick here. But first one, hey guys, got a last-minute question. Any objections with the NBA's 2020 all-defensive teams that were announced last night? Or did the global panel of 100 sports writers and broadcasters get it right? That's from Sean. All-defensive first team, Giannis, AD, Ben Simmons, Gobert, and Marcus Smart. All-defensive second team, Kawhi, Brooke Lopez, Bam, Patrick Beverly, and Eric Bledsoe. Tass, objections to that? Sean, I do think the global panel of 100 sports writers and broadcasters did a decent job. I think the backcourt for the second team, Patrick Beverly and Eric Bledsoe, get him out of there. I think Drew Holiday is always a guy that is a little disrespected uh, yeah. when it comes to his defense. I think he's one of the few guys that can play one-on-one and play it really, really great. He wasn't on a great defense with the Pelicans. Uh, this year, but I think he belongs there over a guy like Eric Bledsoe. And I'm taking Kyle Lowry over Patrick Beverly. I think you need a representative of the second best defense in the league with the Toronto Raptors who don't have anybody else on these two teams. Am I playing the homer card? I don't think so. I think Kyle Lowry and his 36 minutes per game is a lot more valuable than Patrick Beverly and his 26 minutes per game. Should I be saying that? Should I just be uh, you know, giving so much weight to a guy playing minutes? Yeah, I think it matters. I think that hmm. matters that Kyle Lowry uh, played 750 more minutes than uh, Mr. Beverly, who wasn't on the floor as much and can be a, a, a guy who gives a lot of fouls in his time because he doesn't play as heavy minutes. I would sub out those two guys. But, Sean, thanks so much for that last second question. Yeah, way to get that in there. Yeah, we had a lot of Clippers on these teams, had a lot of Bucks on these teams. Um, what do you think, Lee? Do you agree with what Tass is saying there? Would you switch anything else up? Certainly I'd get Drew Holiday in over Bledsoe and then Patrick Beverly and Kyle Lowry. I mean, Patrick Beverly is, is known for his defense, but I, I think that uh, a lot of that is uh, how much attention he brings to himself. 
you know, whereas Kyle Lowry, he likes to get that big boost in the way and take as many charges as he can. That, that shouldn't be overlooked. That's that's a big part of defense. You so, can't uh, overlook that boost. No, uh, you can't you overlook can't that boost. You can't see it. No. Uh, I mean, PJ Tucker, I think, is certainly in these last few Tucker, weeks, people yeah. have, have looked at PJ Tucker and said, man, this guy's a great defensive player. But on the Rockets, it probably gets not as noticed as much. So, uh, But then, uh, again, who are you going to take out? Certainly not Kawhi. Brooke Lopez was fantastic, and Bam was also fantastic. So I'm not yeah, sure tougher. who, yeah, who PJ gets in over those guys. But uh, yeah, Bledsoe, no thanks. Uh, definitely Drew Holiday for that. But I'm, I'm just, I'm anti Bledsoe right now. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's tough to see three bucks on the all defense <laughs> yeah. teams yeah. as they're being eliminated. Yeah. My big, my big one, just like you guys, is Lowry over uh, Beverly. You know, Beverly's a great one-on-one defender, and he gets a lot of highlight clips because he's always going to be up in your face. But Kyle Lowry's just a better defender, and the Ra- the Raptors were a better defensive team, so that would be my one change. The other thing I like to see: four big guys on the all-defensive first team. Yeah, Ben Simmons is a guard, but he's also six foot ten. Marcus yeah. Smart, you can even argue he's a big guy. He guards fives a lot, but uh, <laughs> if you want to have a good defense, you're going to need some tall guys eventually. Yeah, um, you said you brought up Drew Holiday task because I saw a lot of the NBA players. Uh, coming to his defense, I guess, on Twitter last night, pointing out, like, what the disrespect. I think J.J. Redick maybe got it started, and Damian Lillard retweeted that. You know, we've had debates before of, like, who should vote on these awards. You know, should it be this global panel of 100 sports writers and broadcasters, or should it be the players? I thought about it last night when I was seeing those tweets go around. I was like, I would actually be okay with the players voting on all defensive teams. Because... They are the ones playing these guys, and they know who are the lockdown guys and who's a nightmare that you see on the calendar. You're like, oh, God damn, I got to play this guy tonight. Like, oh, this is going to be a long night. I would be all right with it. I'm not saying the, the panel got it wrong here. I'm with you, Tass. For the most part, they, they, they knocked it out of the park. I mean, it's not that hard to do. You sort of know who the best defensive guys in the league are if you watch the games. But sort of makes some sense that a guy like Damian Lillard or whoever is like, yeah, he's the toughest guard to go against. Him. And uh, why is he not in the mix here? Uh, any opinions on that from you guys? I wouldn't be angry about it, but right. I think you Makes would get sense. a lot of uh, reputation uh, awards or uh, reputation selections like the coaches do at All-Star Weekend and say, oh, this guy, you know, we have to game plan against him. But if J.J. Redick is playing against, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry two or three times a year, maybe Kyle Lowry doesn't even play, and he just had a real tough game against okay. Kyle Lowry, he's yeah. going to say... Oh, yeah. Listen, I, I, There's bias, for sure. It's tough. If we were going to do it right, uh, I think you would do what they do in the All-Star game now and have media coaches and, not fans, media coaches and players <laughs> vote, uh, unlike the All-Star game. But you'd have it probably separated. But that's not as interesting. It's not no. as fun to talk about. It's, you can't poke the blame at somebody like on the sports panels that gave James Harden a first-place all-defensive vote. Get out of here. Wow. That was me, Tess. Uh, how dare you say that? <laughs> The best defense is a good offense. Mm. If he, he's, you like shoulder defense. This is James Harden's defense. All shoulders. Uh, uh, yes. So I hear what you're saying, but are they going to stick with the times? I actually, when I saw J.J. Redick, I saw Matt Barnes. I saw all these videos uh, of players coming to Drew Holiday's defense. I thought, oh, man, maybe I'm not making a good pick here, uh, picking mm. Drew Holiday as a guy. Because I, I've always been a fan of Drew Holiday, but I think the players are, they know, like you said, Skates, they know who the toughest defenders are, but I think it sort of takes a little time to catch up with, with the times. Drew Holiday has been underrated now for like five years running. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've been talking about it. So I was even a little hesitant because their defense was – the poops, but yeah, when you watch part, him play in the playoffs, man, he's a lockdown. 
Yeah, that part is tough, though. Like, when you're a good defender, but your team sort of is average or below average defensively, it's, uh, I think that's difficult for some of the people that actually have the votes to say, okay, let's give him a vote. It's just tough to, like, separate the two. It, it honestly is. Though you should be able to do it if you want to give him the vote. And he's obviously a great defender. And he proved it, uh, like he said, at the playoffs in times. All right, one more here. Saw this at my local sport check today. I think we got the photo here. <laughs> Have you seen this type of jersey error before? Maybe Pascal needs to play with that Lowry energy. Who are two other NBA players you would like to combine and why? This is from at Adil Hoxha2 by way of Twitter. Now we're showing everybody here on YouTube a Raptors jersey number 43, (laughs) but it says Lowry. So we've got a Siakam Lowry like mashup here. This is like a girl talk jersey. Um, remember Girl Talk? <laughs> they had a feed the animals, baby. Yeah, I saw him live. I had fun. I almost got on stage. Um, so, yeah, that's a fun question, though. <laughs> Two other NBA players you'd like to combine and why? Trey, what do you got? Uh, who are we going to girl talk here? What a great <laughs> question. What a reference. I'm loving it. Might turn that on today. Is it still hold up? I don't know. That would be a great throwback. Um, but a couple of guys, a couple of my favorites that I actually think would be a perfect mix together. If you could somehow combine James Harden and Jimmy Butler, you would have the perfect two guard. You would have a player better than Kawhi <laughs> Leonard. Cause if you have James Harden's offensive skills with Jimmy Butler's drive to be the best and work hard and give it defensively, you would have an incredible two guard. I mean, you're having a guy who's uh, you know, an all defense level defender who's averaging 35 points per game. That's basically the Michael Jordan template right there. And the best part about it is the names work perfectly. You could either go with James Butler, which is funny because as we all know, he said, my name is literally Jimmy. When (laughs) Brett Brown called him James, he's like, I'm not James, but now he could be James. And on the flip side, I don't even want to say it, but you could call him Jimmy Harden. <laughs> Straight up Jimmy Harden. Uh, so Brought to you by Manscaped. I was going to say, we're going to lean right into our Manscaped ad if we want to, but I sort of want to hear some other answers here. That's fantastic. Uh, James Butler, I love it. Jimmy Harden, that's a good combo. Can any of you, uh, Tass or Lee, beat that? Well, I'm going to try to combine uh, a couple out in Utah. I think okay. turn these two into one player. It's uh, Joe Gobert. Uh, because I think then you get the defense of Rudy Gobert, but then you also have a 7-2 guy coming down just shooting those slow-release three-pointers. Can be a bit of a facilitator on offense. I think I think he's a walking MVP if he can have all that, because you couldn't stop that shot. He could go inside any time he wants, and then he's got the defense. So, uh, yeah, give me the, the French-Aussie connection there. Joe Gobert. <laughs> Joe right. Gobert. Tass, you want to merge the two uh, Bogdanoviches together? You want to get really crazy? What do you want? Well, similarly, I want to merge the two Morrises, the Morai. Oh, okay. Markeith and Marcus, the twins. Why the heck not? You'd have a super player. Uh, they would be amazing. And they're just going to cancel each other out next series when the Clippers face the <laughs> Lakers. And that way... No one will be confused by who's playing. Actually, Mo DeKeel, our colleague at The Athletic, brought this up, that Marcus Morris, who's balling for the Clippers, this would be the absolute perfect time to just sub him in for the Lakers. Uh, no one would know, and, and he would provide a lot more for Markeef uh, than Markeef is providing. And uh, he would be their third best player on uh, right immediately. I mean, he has been playing really, really well. Uh, it, it's going to be weird, and and I'm not. Uh, I, I would look forward to it because then I can't couldn't confuse the two. Uh, it's tough. It is Just tough to. But, uh, one. Yeah, Marcus is more more the baller. But let's shout out Sportcheck. 
love love that check on those black jerseys. I used to wear it every day of my life. Never washed it in between shifts. Now I wash it occasionally. Um, yeah, shout out to Sport Check and also feel the sweat. Sport Check. Yeah, those polyesters they uh, they evaporated pretty well, so they didn't smell that bad. Um, also. Uh, yeah, girl talk great, but just listen to your boy Brian. I mean, he's the same. Oh, wow. He's, he's the got same a million songs in like five minutes with them. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, he is the best. Um, yeah, this is a great jersey. Thanks for sharing that on Twitter. Very, very funny. I, I mean, I would buy a Lowry Siakam mashup jersey. Oh, sure. It's yeah, sort of unique. It's like, why not? Uh, great answers. Yeah, just back to your Morris uh, comment there, your mashup task. I was on the po- uh, a Buckets podcast with our friend Amir Blumenfeld, his podcast yesterday, and we talked about that. We talked about this is the perfect location for the Morris twins, especially if they were to meet in the next round, Clippers-Lakers, for them to do the twin swap. Like, mm-hmm. they could just mess around and, like, be playing... You know, one night for the Lakers, one of them, and then they could just switch and then play for the Clippers. Like, they could totally get away with this if they really want to. They used to do this, I guess, for, like, math tests and stuff like that. Like, why couldn't it happen there? Like, I don't think... There's no way us, the viewer, would know what's happening. Maybe the guys around them would know, but I I don't know even how different their personalities are. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. maybe it's something they'll try. Got to keep our eye on it. Let's keep our eye on it. <laughs> you want to tell your grandkids a story? How about that time in the bubble where we switched teams? That's, that's good stuff. That's <laughs> a damn good story. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, they, they, they're flipping coins to see who's playing for like the Lakers that night or the Clippers, whatever way, whatever team is up. Like who's going to like, like if they got to a game seven, it's like, I mean, who's going to go on to the title? Mm-hmm. All right. Because one of them's got to leave the bubble at that point. It's like, ooh, is it Marquis for Marcus? Uh, who knows? <laughs> Man, really, how do you feel about twins? Identical twins. They creep you out, Lee? <laughs> Let's be honest here. Some people are creeped out by them. Uh, I went to school with the uh, twins. Yeah. Some twins, but we could tell them apart, so they weren't really like the Morris mm. twins, yeah. Um, but what yeah, were their names? What were their names? Uh, well, can... uh, no, no, don't worry about that. Uh, last name. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one funny twin story, though. When, uh, well, when, hold uh, on, when... I want to know their names. Uh, don't worry, because they might be listening. I, don't, I just matter. want their first names. Okay, make up a name then. Okay, Samantha and Jane. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Heather and Sherry in my uh, mm. in my school. I'll tell Ooh, you a funny, Brian funny... Brian and Eric. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's got some twins. <laughs> when, when Sebastian was about 18 months old, we were in a playground one day, and he, there was a little kid there playing. He was running around, and they were sort of just playing with each other but he was one of a twin so a few minutes later the second one came over dressed exactly the same looked exactly the same sebastian was just kind of like oh, what yeah, the man. hell is going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like in back to the future where old biff sees young marty and and uh, other marty as well and he's real confused <laughs> exactly <laughs> what the hell twins twins Love it. All right. Well, we got to get to Tweet of the Night still. We'll get you set for today's games. But first, a word from our sponsors. As some people saw during Game 5 of the Raptors Celtics series, I was rocking a pretty sweet ponytail while I was standing with skeets. And it prompted a comment from our friend and former colleague, Matt, who said it was a very casual Travolta in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> that's, that's, that's quite yeah. a compliment. Yeah. Casual Travolta. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it got me thinking about Matt and uh, and how proud he always is and was of his hairdo. And I was wondering if any of our Manscaped ads had convinced him to buy any of the products and keep the rest of his hair as well-groomed because he's a modern man. He likes to take care of himself. You know, in this quarantine situation, he's still getting his workouts in. Yeah. And uh, so if he's listening, and we know that he is, he always likes to listen. He sent us a nasty little message in the uh, WhatsApp the other day when he thought we were making fun of him. But... Uh, 
I think Matt would get pretty good use out of the lawnmower 3.0. I think it'd be perfect for him. I think it would kill the battery. <laughs> if it's anything like his hair on his head. <laughs> He's got a monster piffus. <laughs> but he wouldn't just want the lawnmower because he wouldn't want to do half the job. He'd like it done properly or not at all. And the Perfect Package 3.0 comes with a new and improved lawnmower, waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and we know Matt uh, performs at a high level, yep. and a travel bag, which is perfect if he has any overnight stays. And I'm sure there's one or two of those on the calendar, and there has been. The uh, the Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a crop preserver and crop reviver. He's getting on a little bit. He's nearly 40. Is he 40 yet, Matt? No, no, no not yet. He's got a year or two. Not oh, yet. a year or two. So he's, he's getting up there. He's getting close to that. Uh, and also, I think Matt would like to experiment. I think he would like to experiment with the crop reviver, that spray-on toner. Yeah. It's made with that uh, aloe and uh, witch hail extracts. Oh, my God. Doesn't what that do you mean experiment? Hail? Like, put it in a smoothie experiment? <laughs> what are you talking about? Hey, we saw him drink that Lin shake, which had all sorts of crazy stuff in it. Maybe he'd try something different. He likes to experiment. No, I wouldn't recommend Ed, that. <laughs> anyway, Matt, you can get 20% off free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off <laughs> with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level and tell them your boys sent you over there, Matt, and let us know how it goes because then maybe we can get another ad read out of you for this. That'd be perfect. Oh, wow. That would be nice. That would be nice. You're right. Like, Get him the products, let him use it, and then he could write... Uh, one of our ad reads for uh, mm-hmm. Manscaped. Okay, great stuff. Uh, we know he's listening. Show it to me. There's the ponytail. There's the Travolta. Casual, <laughs> casual Travolta. Travolta. <laughs> wow, that is uh, spot on for Matty O. <laughs> this is the reason why the Raptors lost Game Five. Ah, uh, come on, man. Convinced. Come on. I'm trying to. I'm trying to mix things up. I'm like Nick Nurse. I like to experiment with things. Yeah. What am I going to do for Game Six? You got to braid that tiny little ponytail down there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd have to get Roxana to do that. I'm not sure she'd be up for braiding it. She wasn't thrilled about me putting it in a ponytail. But... No, no. Ah, she was just like, what are you doing this for? I'm like, you know why? For the gram. For the gram. For the gram. All right. Uh, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Well, Lily, I sort of teased it when we were talking about Billy Donovan because you got a great one here. Yeah, so uh, Billy Donovan, obviously that situation there with um, uh, with Oklahoma City ended last night. And uh, Royce Young, of course, the OKC beat writer, he was uh, connected to what was happening and uh, he tweeted out this. And he said, uh, having an idea of the direction it was probably headed, Presti says he brought a cooler of beer to his office during his meeting with Donovan and they spent some of the time reminiscing on memories of the last five years. So, uh, yeah, I think what Tass was sort of alluding to there as well, like it was amicable and uh, they both kind of knew it was coming to an end and uh, they decided, you know what, let's just pop a few beers and talk about the old times. And, uh, hey, what's better than this? Coaches being coaches. <laughs> so uh, it also brings up the question, Sam Presti, what sort of uh, what sort of beers are you bringing in there, oh, Billy local, Donovan? Local IPA for sure. You think so? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think he's bringing in Budweiser. He's not. It's like yeah. Well, I, I saw someone tweeted like replied to Royce Young and said, "What did anybody ask? What type of beer they were drinking?" And the answer was cheap beer, Lee. Hmm. So it could have been. 
Budweiser. Mm, yeah. It could have been. I think I think Sam's got a little bit more class, though. I think he's uh, he's bringing in something yes, pretty nice. He wears glasses. He must drink a very <laughs> fine beer. Yeah, he, uh, he does wear Elton John glasses, though, doesn't he? Uh, Sam Presti. <laughs> yeah, I guess he sort of does. He does. He does. They they suit him though. They suit his yeah, look. So. they're cool. Well, it'd be yeah. better if he worked for uh, Houston. I think he could be a Rockets man. <laughs> <laughs> How many beers do you think were in the cooler? Is it just a classic six pack? Uh, no, I think I think he brings in a dozen, but they don't plan a on dozen. Going. Yeah, wow. but I don't think they plan on going through them unless uh, unless they decide to just you know what the hell let's just really reminisce. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Billy Donovan or do you think Sam Presti? I guess is the better way to put it. Could have got Billy Donovan so drunk that he could have convinced him to just continue to keep coaching. That's the <laughs> real question. Sign the contract. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slick move. Maybe yeah, but yeah. they both they both wanted to part ways. Okay. Anything to add to that, Tass? <laughs> that great story there, no? Uh no. Billy Donovan had to drive. I mean a dozen? It's a lot. <laughs> well, I'm just saying though, they wouldn't have necessarily got through them. Just depending on how the conversation's going, you know, how many how many fun times they're talking about. How long yeah. they year? Five years? Yeah, yeah how five many fun years. Time, yeah. How many fun times do you think you can have in five years? That's you know, about seventeen hundred days, eighteen hundred days. <laughs> how many fun times can you have in eighteen hundred days together? <laughs> At least 10. Wow. So that's a beer per. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they had a dozen <laughs> beers in there. So they did this not in the bubble. Like uh, They did this like when OKC left, obviously. And this happened in, in Oklahoma City. Is that what we, we I, think? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I don't even know I, if Sam Presti was there. I mean, I, was just I saw him in the did. bubble. Yeah, yeah but uh, they, they would have left. Because Chris Paul had that video the other day when he yeah, was basically true, true, leaving. True. So yeah, they, they wouldn't be hanging around for sure. So just go, he just had to go back to the office, clean up his stuff. Yeah. And here Sam comes walks. here comes Sam door yeah. open door policy comes on yeah. in yeah oh, he's got what he's carrying he's the, carrying it he's, yeah, yeah he's carrying it like a boombox <laughs> in the eighties why are you carrying no, no, it like that that's how you carry a slab in the in Australia you just come in with it on your shoulder and just yeah. slap it down on the table yeah Crack slab I always did like that that you call yeah. it that in Australia a case uh, a case in Canada twenty four beers or whatever. All right, great story. Great tweet of the night. Task, get us ready for today's games here. Uh, we're running a little long because we got another podcast to record. So what do we got here? Raptors trying to stay alive, I guess, is the big story. Yeah, ESPN doubleheader starting with that game against the Celtics. 6.30 Eastern, the longest reign of a single-season champion could come to an end. Yeah, they get mm. that extra time here because we're in September. The longest run. you got to include all these records here for the Toronto Raptors because... I don't know if they're going back-to-back, boys. Uh, They're down 3-2 here. Serge Ibaka questionable at last check with an ankle injury as well. Um, Oh, yeah. He was in a boot. He he was booting it. Uh, But you never know. You never know. That's protocol. You're leaving the arena. you got to put a boot on. True, true. So we we did see Giannis leave with a boot on. Obviously not a great sign. He didn't play in Game (laughs) 5 there. But he was warming up. So we'll see what Serge can do. Uh, I've got not a lot of faith right now, just the way things ended there. But what do you guys think? Uh, Leo, start with you. It's going to seven. Ooh. Yeah, maybe. Do yeah, I really maybe. believe that? No, but I'm hoping. <laughs> so let's go. I just think yeah, the Celtics really did hammer the Raptors in game six, and they want to end it. They don't want it to go to seven. So I think the Celtics win, but I'm pulling for the Raptors. Of course I am. Who cares? Why not? I'm getting the ponytail out tonight. I might oh, even no, no, don't do the, <laughs> the Raptor tail. Please, <laughs> yeah. please just do your slick look. Go back to Michael Dick Douglas. I don't want casual Travolta tonight. <laughs> yeah, Michael Douglas. Uh, Skeets, what do you think? Uh, the Raptors are winning this. Obviously, this is going to seven, just like we told you right from the get-go. Um, you know, I'd like to see what Kyle Lauer we get right from the jump again. Will it be like games three and four? But I assume Marcus Smart is going to be on him again, like Game 5. And uh, that obviously uh, 
you know, limits him a little bit more. Just going to need some of these guys to hit some shots on their apps. Van Vliet, we could really use the magical Van Vliet game. Let's be honest. Uh, he has a... Uh, He's had like oh, he's been fine. I know there's a when he's driving, he's actually finishing most for the most part inside. But his three ball, his moonshot's not dropping right now. But I believe in Freddie, and I believe we do get a game seven here in this series. Um, I think it'll be a close one. Though I said that about game five, I said, <laughs> hey, hey, here's one thing you can uh, guarantee: there'll be no blowouts in this series. Well, I was wrong about that, but uh, give me a Raptors win. I'll be standing regardless. Hashtag stand with Skeets. If you're a real Raptors fan, you still believe can overcome this adversity to give us a game seven that would happen on friday night so wraps in a win trey you're a celtics man to start the series would you dare say that this is going to seven games this series was destined to go seven games we going to game seven baby <laughs> oh, yes the barnyani is already ready this won a championship for the raptors last season if they can't win a game six with the barnyani i'm no help to him at all that's got to be lowry and van vliet if Siakam shows up, that's awesome. If Siakam has his first really good game of the playoffs, that would be huge for the Raptors. But to me, it's going to come down to Lowry and Van Vliet. Yep. One of them's got to outplay Kemba Walker. And most likely that's going to be Kyle Lowry. So let's see it. The Raptors are the best, it feels like, when they have their backs against the wall. And their season is almost over. So their backs are very much against the wall. Best, yeah. The backs are so much against the wall, you can't even see the Barniani jersey. Right <laughs> that's right. Can't even see the ponytail. <laughs> Could what do you be, got, Tass? What do you could, think, man? Could be a Kyle Lowry number seven. Just pretend. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm in the same boat that uh, I, I said it with you, Skeets, the other night that we're only going to get close games in this series, so I'm just going to double down. All okay. I know is that it's going to be a close game. No one uh, is going to blow out the other team. I got no idea what's going to happen down the wire to the down, coming down to the wire. So looking forward. Uh, to that baby before the 9 o'clock Eastern game, Clippers-Denver. Who the heck knows what we're going to get in this yeah. game? Uh, the Clippers are up 2-1. I don't know if anybody even wants to make a prediction for this one because really with these two teams, I don't know. All I'll say for me is that I think we'll get a better Jamal Murray game. I think if you are going to win, uh, you need your best player uh, to play somewhat like your best player. He's gone 12 27 14 loss win loss in this series so i think we're going to get back to uh, a good jamal murray which could mean a nuggets win and hey the clippers do take quarters off so yeah why not let's say the nuggets are going to win this game why the heck not hey, I'll, t- look, I'll take them it would uh, make for a more exciting uh thursday podcast here no dunks if the nuggets win i mean this is what i'm worried about celtics win it's not going to happen but if the celtics win and the Nuggets or the uh, Clippers win. It's like, ooh, tomorrow's show. I guess we could start looking ahead to the Eastern Conference Finals in, in that situation. But otherwise, it'd be a bit of a dud if the Clippers go up 3 1. So I, I'm with you, Tass. I'm almost rooting for the Nuggets and a huge Jamal Murray game to give us a bit more juice to that series. That'd be nice. But you're right. Who knows what Clippers team shows up? I mean, they obviously can beat them. It's just whether or not they're like really locked in from the get go. What about you, Lee? Are you yeah. rooting? Who are you rooting uh, for? How are you rooting? Uh, root, 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 I, am, I am rooting as much as I can these days uh, for the Denver Nuggets. So, uh, yes, I'll be rooting for them tonight. And, uh, yeah, I'm on the same. It's great when you're a neutral because you just want to see a great game and a great series. So, yeah, if Denver wins tonight, the series is on. If they lose, it's just a matter of when this Clippers close it out. So, give me the Nuggets. Trey, what do you think? 
Uh, I don't know. I think that we're going to get a good game, and that's all that really matters. That's all know? that matters. That's all that matters is that everybody has fun out there. Uh, give me the Clippers. I don't know. The Nuggets are inconsistent, just like the Clippers are, but the Clippers tend to win as GG3 no points out. The Clippers win when the Lakers win. So we saw the Lakers win last night. Maybe the Clippers do it as well. You got Patrick Beverly. He's going to be fired up, proving people uh, right, saying, yeah, I should have been on the first team, not even on the second team. You guys wanted to leave me off completely in your face. Uh, and then they'll probably get kicked out of the game. Before we go, Lee, I just wanted to uh, circle back to something because I had it wrong. I said Auckland instead of Adelaide. Was that Adelaide Strip Club underground in Adelaide? Because I thought uh, they did. I thought they had a lot of like underground like mining things, like for opals and stuff. Well, like that. yeah, I was that, in Adelaide yeah. once upon a time. Yeah. Am I crazy? Yeah, I think you were in Cooper Pedy, probably. Uh, that, that's where they do it. <laughs> I think um, I was. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't think this. Strip club was underground. I don't think so. I mean, it's a long time ago. It was okay. A few right. boozy nights there about sure. fifteen years ago, but uh, fun times. Just they even curious. name. They even throw Y's at the end of their yeah. locations. Cooper, Pete, Cooper, 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 Pedy, P E D Y. Yeah. Didn't think that spelling. Was yeah, good. Yeah, just a bunch of <laughs> underground <laughs> rocks. That's all I remember. <laughs> uh, some of those guys, when they go underground, they spend like like weeks underground. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it's, oh, God, like they get moles. paid well, but yeah, oh, yeah. man, I hate that. <laughs> anyway, okay, call there. <laughs> hey, we'll uh, take we we'll take the show out to our Radelaide one day when we when we do get my Australian tour. One day we're going to do it. I guarantee. Right. We'll hit up uh, Radelaide. It's a fun city. It's a it's a it's yeah, a good bachelor uh, bachelor party weekend. Like Is we it? would say Bucks party in Australia, but for the audience, I'll say bachelor party. Have okay. a good time. Yeah. All right, all right, great. Well, we won't be underground later today. We'll be on the beach. Stepping it up, kicking the sand, splashing around, listening, or not listening, <laughs> reading and then answering your uh, questions. Keep them coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. If you listen to the podcast on iTunes, come on. Leave your boys, leave your bucks a five star rating <laughs> and review. Clipper Buck. <laughs> you heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, in the words of the bare naked ladies, I can get a job, I can pay the phone bills, I can cut the lawn, cut my hair, cut out my cholesterol, I can work overtime, I can work in a mine, in Cooper PD. I can do it all for you, but I don't want to. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.